This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. I was glad when they said, let us come to the house of the Lord. And here we are, right? We are here. Hey, by way of one announcement, I came across this. Uh, uh, one of our members' sister is at a church in uh, Pewaukee, and they're heading to see the ark. It's a travel trip. It's a four-day trip for like 600 bucks. And you get to go see the ark and the museum that's there outside of Cincinnati somewhere. Uh, I have been told by a number of people that it's a tremendous uh, experience to go to. So if you're interested in that, there's, there's on the back table, there's some brochures on it, and you can look it over. So it's a great trip. So a church is doing it, and you can add to it by way of going with their church. So, right. Um, let's start out this morning with a reading from Peter, 1 Peter. It says this. Just a second. I'm going to turn these off. There. That's better. Isn't that nice? That's nice, yeah. yeah. A little peace and quiet. That's what we need. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people who belong to God. You were chosen to tell about the excellent qualities of God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not God's people, but now you are. Once you were not shown mercy, but now you have been shown mercy. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, in a world like we live in, the way it is today, it's easy to forget who we are. And it's easy to get sidetracked and forget about you. But you come to remind us, you never quit. You come to reach out to us. Maybe we're going through some struggles and problems right now and we feel that you are so far away from us, but you're not. You are there. Heavenly Father, send your spirit to us today to give us that reassurance. Help us to live up to our calling to be your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Okay, now we have another, another reading. And it's from Genesis. And it's about Jacob. Jacob. Um, you know, Jacob and Esau, that was his brother. They were twin brothers. And you know, they had problems with each other all the time. Any of you have siblings? Maybe you know what some of these problems are. Well, anyway, Jacob... Uh, whose name sort of means like manipulator and deceiver, he tricked Esau and uh, stole his birthright. His father thought he was somebody else. <laughs> Not, he thought he was talking to Esau, but he was talking to Jacob. And so uh, we have this word. It comes from Genesis chapter 32. During that night, Jacob got up and gathered his two wives his two slaves, and his eleven children, and crossed at the shallow part of the Jabbok River. After he sent them across the stream, he sent everything else across. So Jacob was left all alone there in camp. 
Then a man wrestled with him until dawn. When the man saw that he could not win against Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that it was dislocated as they wrestled. Then the man said, Let me go. It's almost dawn. But Jacob answered, I won't let you go until you bless me. So the man asked him, What's your name? Jacob, he answered. The man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. He struggles with God. Because you have struggled with God and with men, and you have won. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. The man answered, Why do you ask for my name? Then he blessed Jacob there. So Jacob named that place Peniel, face of God, because he said, I have seen God face to face, but my life was saved. The sun rose as he passed Penuel. He was limping because of his hip. God touched the socket of Jacob's hip at the muscle of the thigh. This is the word of God. We join in our next song to open up our eyes. Greater is the one who's in us. Greater is the one who calls our name. He will never fail. Stronger.
Okay, you can be seated. Now, if any of you came in late, you know, and you didn't hear the reading, it's Genesis chapter 32, right? Beginning at verse 22. So you can look that up. There's a Bible in the front there. You know who you are. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's always a little hard when you're preaching a message to somebody on something in the Bible, and then all of a sudden you haven't heard what it says in the Bible first, you know. Makes it a little hard, but that's okay. You can catch up fast. You're a quick reader, aren't you? Of course you are. Yes. Hey, we've been talking about change, right? Change to a person's life. We began the new year talking about change and the importance of change. There are certain things about each of us that we know we need to change. Although the truth is, is that oftentimes we do not want to face the truth about ourselves. I mean that we need to change. We try to delay that and postpone that as long as possible. Consequently, change does not happen, at least not because of us, and not because of our desire. Change oftentimes comes the hard way. It comes the hard way. Let me explain. As we live out our days, life can be tough. How many of you would agree with me that life can be tough sometimes? Sometimes it is overwhelmingly difficult. Most of us have gone through moments or maybe are even facing such moments right now, today, that grab us and shake us to the core. Life is filled with struggles and disappointments, things that are tough, and because of them, we are never the same again. Have you noticed that? It is because of them that we do change, even in our reluctance. It happens. Here is what I have found to be true. God has a way of using the very things that we dislike. The very circumstances that we try to stay away from. The things that we try to avoid. He has a way of using them for our benefit and his glory. For his purposes and our good. We don't like it when it happens, but it definitely happens more than we would like it to happen. But when it happens, we change. It is how God finally gets us to change. Are you with me? So there are definitely some bad things that happen to me in my life. They happened. I did not want them to happen. But they happened. And I got to tell you this. I would not be the person I am here today standing before you if those things would not have happened. I definitely would not be in this church right now. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be the way I am right now. And I will tell you this. There is a lot of great stuff that I so much appreciate today that I never would have had come my way if it had not been for those circumstances, for those difficult and most disappointing times that I went through in my life. I am different now. 
and it is good. As I fought and fumed about it all, as we do, as I wrestled with everything, I have changed. Sometimes it just has to rain. Circumstances possibly change who I forever am in you. Maybe since my life was changed.
is Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Miles. Please be seated. Yeah, maybe you're like me. You know, I mean, you might even not be sitting next to who you are sitting today. Experiencing life the way you are, if it had not been for that rain. It was hell. It was a wrestling match in life. We are so often like Jacob in our reading. We are people who oftentimes discover that we are not only wrestling with life in its hard times, but we are wrestling with ourselves. And we find ourselves in a wrestling match with God himself, fighting God, angry with God over something that is happening to us. We feel his hold on us by way of our trouble by way of our burden, our difficulty, and we are trying to break away from it, to get free, to, to get out of it. Through the ordeal, though, we think God is against us. We think he has opposed us. He's not for us. He doesn't care about us. We are trying to go one way, and he is determined to take us another way. We want to head in this direction, but he has his eye on that direction where that little baby is going right now. <laughs> and we are not about to change our thinking, not in the least. We are not about to change ourselves. We fight God. Listen, life becomes difficult and we fight God. We struggle. We have all of these problems that stand in the way of what we want to do in our life. And we can't understand why God allows these things, these problems, to come our way, to happen. And so we end up wrestling with God over the circumstances of our life. God, why is all of this happening to me? What good could ever come from all of this kind of junk my way? You don't seem to care about me anymore, God. You just don't. That's what we say. And we fight God. We are like that. God, things should be different for me. I'm your person. Come on. I shouldn't have to go through this. Why are you beating up on me like this? Why is all of this stuff happening to me? Today, I want to remind you at the heart of the changing process is God, and that when you enter a crisis in your life, you will be wrestling with God. There is no doubt about it. We are very much like Jacob. You see, our biggest battle in life that you have is not a physical battle. It's not a career battle. It's not a success battle. It's not a financial battle. You think that maybe it is, but it is not. It is not a past kind of a battle, dealing with what you were. We think it is, but no. Are these real battles? Oh yeah, we struggle with all these kinds of things. There's no doubt about it. But the biggest struggle you have in life is with God. That's the big one. And here's why. In the face of all of our needs, all of our desires, and all of our plans, we really want to personally be God ourselves. 
We are like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We are like them. We want to call the shots. We know better. We have a better idea. We want to have the control. That is our quick answer to life's problems, to be God. But that answer doesn't work. It won't work. It cannot work. Our control is way too limited for that to happen. And we wrestle with all of this, not knowing at first that we are wrestling with God, like Jacob. When we seek to act, now listen, when we seek to act like God, we will end up fighting with God. That's the way it works. Does this make sense? Do you hear what I'm saying? When we act like God, and you've been there, we are fighting against God himself. Look at Genesis chapter 32. You've had time to read it now. Genesis 32 tells us, Then Jacob was left all alone in camp. Now Jacob was ready to go and meet his brother Esau, right? Whom he had swindled out of his life inheritance, as I described before the reading, before some of you came in. Now, now Jacob... Jacob was scared to death about this encounter with Esau because Esau was really coming to, to wipe Jacob out. He was, he was really ready to just kill him. And Jacob was so afraid. He knew what he deserved. So in the dealing with his fear, he sent his wife and his children to meet up with Esau who was coming. What a man! Hiding behind women and children. That's Jacob. Afraid of confrontation. Master of deception. Trickery. Running all his life away from his personal responsibilities. And he is, we read, alone. And all this stuff is going on in his head. His past his actions, his fears, his cunning nature, which he is not about to give up at this time. And we read, A man came and wrestled with him until dawn. When the man saw that he couldn't win the match, and I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit, he struck Jacob's hip and knocked it out of joint at the socket. The Bible tells us that Jacob was wrestling with God. The story of Jacob and Esau is a long one. It began all the way in the womb, back in the womb, at the time of delivery. Even at birth, they fought with each other. But Jacob's biggest battle was not to be with Esau. It was to be with God. Jacob was stubborn, he was obstinate, and he was lost in himself. But God wanted to claim him for his purposes, for his plan. God wants to claim you for his purposes, for his plan. But you have a free will that can resist God. And God can't beat that because God gave you that special gift to reject him, to live without him, I want you to think about your biggest conflict. The biggest problem that you got going on right now. It shouldn't take you very long to think of it. For some of you, it was immediate. 
Regardless of what it is, I want to call your attention to two things. It all boils down to two issues. Number one, will you obey God in that situation and do what he says is the right thing to do? And number two, will you trust God in that situation to handle the outcome? Two things, obedience and faith. When I was a little kid, it was the great blessing of my life to have a grandmother who really loved me. My parents didn't go to church. I've told this story. But my grandmother took me to church every Sunday. Church and Sunday school. And a lot of things stick in my mind from that time. It was a little church. About, well, fewer people than are here right now. But they always sang this one song. Trust and obey. There's no other way. To be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. Every crisis we face, it comes down to faith and obedience. The real problem is not money, people, career, success. The real problem is your struggle with God with those things. You want to be God. You want to be in control. Yes, God gave you a free will that can fight him forever. And you will. So God, he brings it all to a boiling point. He allows it to bubble over. He allows it to build in your life, to happen to you. He knocks out your hip at the joint of the socket. We've all been there. Terribly painful. It's a wrestling match with God. Now, what is the objective in wrestling? Now, I'm not talking about the fake stuff that you maybe might watch on television once in a while. I'm talking about the real stuff where the battle goes on, where you try to get the other guy down. You try to lay him out flat on the mat, and you jump on him, and you get on top of him, and you control everything about him until he shouts out, Uncle! Uncle! All your life you have been in that battle with God. Who is going to be number one in your life? Are you going to be calling the shots or is God going to be calling the shots in what you have labeled to be your life? You have been struggling with God and that is at the root of every one of your problems. Every one of them. Not trusting, not obeying. And we wonder why at times there is a crisis. God allows a crisis. God wants to get your attention. All of a sudden, it is as though you are rolling around on the ground, in the dirt. Maybe it's even mud. And you're fighting for your life. And you feel pinned. And you feel everything is against you, flat on your back. And you're forced to look up and you cry out, I thought, God, you loved me just the way I am. I have told you that. Come as you are. 
God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay that way. Let me tell you, God wants to change you. You need to change, and he helps you to grow, to be better, to be different, to mature, to be all that you were meant to be. He wants to, you to be more loving, more patient, more giving, more charitable, more generous. And that's why the children of Israel, they had a two-week trip to the promised land. How long did it take them? Forty years. And that's why probably we wandered around in a little place called North Lake without a church home of our own, going to worship in a school. We wondered, why isn't this happening? Why isn't it happening? We wondered. It was a changing process for us. And I think we are better because of it. I believe I am. So God allows a crisis. A time when you have to wrestle with him. He's not going to destroy you. Oh no. But he's going to test you. I can tell you that. In that process, he will test you to see if and how you are going to hang in there. How much you really believe the promises that he has given to you. That he does truly love you. And that he does have great things in mind for you. He wants to see if that's where your head is at. He is looking for obedience. He is looking to see if you will trust him. Why the crisis? Why the wrestling? Because we rarely change. Now listen to this. We rarely change until the pain we feel in our life exceeds the fear that we have about the changes that we know need to take place in us. And we have a lot of fear when it comes to changing and not being what we are. God wants to move us to the point where we risk it where we risk the obedience and we risk the faith, the trust. It is the point where we find ourselves just hanging on, even when we are hurting, to the point where we believe we need God. Oh, Lord, I need you. Then the man said, let me go, for it is dawn. But Jacob panted, I won't let you go unless, until you bless me. You see, we need to hold on to God like he is everything that we need in our life. We need to hold on to him. And so the message is, is that when we begin to realize that we need to change, we need to become like Jacob. We need to come to understand that the one that we have been wrestling with is the only one who can make the difference for us about our future. It's in his hands. He is the one who has the power alone, who can change us so what we need can come true for us. We need to hang on to him so he knows where our confidence is. It is in him and not just let go. Are you holding on? Notice that God does not destroy Jacob for his sinful resistance. He could have, easily. No, he wrestles with Jacob. He wants Jacob to deal with things. He wants Jacob to know that he won't allow him, though, to ignore him any longer. That time is finished. He can't get away from him. 
All the old promises and messages from God need to come back into Jacob's mind. He knows what it's all about. He just needs to be reminded again and again, and Jacob needs to claim them once more. Let me ask you, where will your head be at when the next crisis comes into your life? Will there be a focus on your baptism? <laughs> When's the last time you thought about your baptism? Will there be a, a, a remembrance of the importance of your confirmation? When you spoke those vows, those words? Will there be a thought about the importance of God's word in your life? Will there be a vision that you have about Christ and his cross? That he went there to suffer and die. To take the weight of the judgment that you yourself deserve. God wants to build your character, teach you new lessons, and empower you for his plans. In short, God knows that some things need to change for you. Do you see it? So are you in a crisis right now? Do you have a major problem? Do you hear the message? Hang in there. Don't let go. Don't quit. Keep wrestling. Don't cop out. Don't run away from it. Don't try to escape. Stick with it. Listen, the problems that you have in your life, the personal hang-ups that you got going on and you're facing right now in you did not just get there overnight. No, it took years and years and years for you to make your life such a mess. You have a lot of ingrained patterns, bad habits, bad responses, poor judgment, it took years to make you, you, with all of your insecurities and fears. Well, enough talk about me. <laughs> what about you? And how fast do you think that all of these changes will take place? God isn't going to remove them all at once. Our mothers wouldn't recognize us. No, it takes time. It takes friends. It takes godly counsel. It takes the love of God in Jesus Christ who won't let you go because he has so much to give us. God has so much to give you. Believe it. Live that way. Faith and obedience. Be positive about your future because God, he is your future. Live in expectation. God brings your way the changes that you need. He is pulling you. He's pushing you. He's twisting you. He is wrestling with you. It is a new identity, you see, that he is forming, that he is making of you. And that is what happened with Jacob. God literally changed his name. God said, Jacob, here's your future. Forget the past. Your name is now Israel. No longer will you be called Jacob. No longer deceiver, manipulator, controller. That's what Jacob meant. Now you are prince with God. Israel, now you are a leader with great promise. Now you are sent out to change the world. You can't be Jacob anymore. No way. Things are new. You are changed. 
Peter said it for God, describing how God sees us, you and me, today. Once you were no people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own, so that you may declare the wonderful actions of God in your life. He has taken you out of darkness, and he has put you into his marvelous light. This is the life we were created for and meant to live, to grow more and more, to be like Jesus in a world that is wrestling and fighting with God. God gives us an identity that rises above all of the hate and the pain and the failure and brokenness of life. He calls us his sons and daughters. But you say, oh, pastor, wait now. That's not true. That can't be true. Look at our reading. Did you read that, pastor? It says, Jacob walked away limping. God gave Jacob a big problem, pastor. He dislocated his hip, and it was a great weakness. Jacob's not better. Well, the thigh muscle that God touched is the strongest muscle in your body. God touched Jacob at his greatest point of strength and created a weakness out of it. Jacob no longer was going to be known as shifty. Jacob was not going to be shifty anymore. No more fancy footwork or quick moves. No more dancing around the issue. No more deception. It was a time to live with some dependence upon God. Jacob could not run away anymore from God. He had no strength for it. He could not run away from his brother, from his problems. Jacob would stand in need of God's power. He was changed. It is a whole new life. It would be a whole new life for Jacob, a whole new identity. And Jacob saw himself as different, not weaker, but stronger. And how you see yourself affects everything in your life. Did you hear that? How you see yourself affects everything. You see yourself as a big, tough guy? How are you going to act? You see yourself as timid and shy. How do you think you're going to be at that next social gathering? You tend to act in accordance with the image that you have about yourself. I'm the boss around here. I'm nothing but a loser. I'm very energetic and uh, I'm a producer. I don't have very much to offer. You will always tend to act according to the way that you think about yourself. So God does his deepest changes in your life by changing the way that you see yourself. 
He wrestles with you personally so that your eyes will be open to who you really are and who he truly is and what you really need. Is God wrestling with you? I will tell you this, when God opens your eyes to Jesus Christ, you will never walk the same again, just like Jacob. From weakness will come your greatest strength. God said it to the Apostle Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my strength is made perfect through weakness. And there is something else that happens. You will discover even more changes beginning to happen in your life. But you know what? They won't seem so difficult for you. They won't. Do you know why? Faith and obedience. You no longer want to fight God. You want to trust him. You no longer want to be God. You want to live for him, obey him. When you see yourself the way God sees you, it is going to change your life. It will. You will say, I am new. I am new. Amen.
Lord Jesus Christ, the same night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. After the same manner also, he took the cup. It was after supper. He gave thanks. He gave it to them, and he said, Take and drink. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the remission of all of your sin. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with all of you always. Welcome to the table of the Lord. Please be seated. May, okay, go ahead. May this, the true body and blood of Christ, strengthen you and keep you in true faith to life everlasting. Depart now in peace and in gladness. Serve the Lord always. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we have our days. We have our struggles. We ask that you would reach out and uh, be with Ed Vickers as he continues trying to recover. Be with him and give him vision for what would be good for him. Give him the help that he needs. Be with his family. We pray for Lisa. We ask that you would bless her, Heavenly Father. Don't let her go. Thank you for her faith and her testimony and love of you. Bless her richly. Bring her healing. We pray for those that we love dearly that are going through difficult times right now. They're wrestling with you, Lord. Help us to be a comfort, a help. Open up the doors that we might be generous in giving, loving and caring. We pray that you would reach out and be with Don now as he prepares to go on his trip, his mission trip to Guatemala to build his 10th house. He wondered if he could make it, but you knew it all the time. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for those who pray for him and support him and bless those little children and those families that he touches. In Jesus' name we pray, even as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with all of you always. Amen.